Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Hallelujah. Who here could use a healing, a physical healing? If you could use a physical healing, stand up right now, just where you are, but if you could stand up. And if I could have a couple people, two or three people around each one of them, and if you have to move, stand up and move, but I'd like us just to pray, because I believe in God can heal. So if you're sitting down, please look for somebody that you can pray for, and we're going to just take a moment, and we're going to pray and declare God's healing. So if you don't have anybody praying for you yet, raise your hand. Okay? There's a couple at the back. Amen. Sharon. Thank you, Elise. Amen. Does everybody have somebody? There's one more. Amen. Justin and Matthew. I know you're getting prayed for, Justin, or Matthew. But could you guys come up and pray for this gentleman as well? Amen. And just, just declare God's healing. Just release his healing over that individual right now. We release your healing, Lord. Whatever that is, we release it right now in the name of Jesus. Just declare that. Speak that over them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, this morning, Lord, we remembered your death. And, and in your death, Lord, your body was broken so that we could be whole. Your body was, stripes were put on your back for our healing. And by your stripes, we are healed. It is done and it is completed already. Lord, we thank you for that and we release that. Lord, it, no disease, no illness, no sickness, no infirmity is greater than you. You are greater than anyone and all of them. So, Lord, we release right now your healing. We declare that in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Now, if you could stay where you are for a second. Some of you might be able to recognize this, and some of you may not, but if you've had an ailment and that it's a physical thing that maybe you couldn't move your shoulder, just try now, just to see. Um, and some of you might not be able to, I understand that, but if, if you're any better, just try a little bit right now. Is, is it, does anybody feel better? Is there anybody that's feeling better? Amen. You're feeling better? Daryl, praise God, and that gentleman in the back. Amen. Let's thank God. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we release 100% now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Healing does not have to be complicated. Healing does not have to be complicated. When people came to Jesus, it wasn't so much complicated. He just said, what do you want? Sometimes you have to express what you want. The blind person, you could see that he couldn't see. And yet Jesus says, what do you want? So when, God, when you have an opportunity, don't be afraid to say what you want. I want to be healed. There's another instance where a guy comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing... I'm here to tell you, he's willing. We serve a God that's willing. Amen? I don't know about you, but I am so glad he's willing. I am so glad that he is willing. Because there's many times when people come up to me and they ask me for a favor, and the last thing I want to do is give them a favor. I'm so glad God does not deal with me the way I deal with people. Come on. Can we be honest? I, I, I'm not trying to stay there, by the way. <laughs> I am becoming more like Christ. You're becoming more like Christ. But he is so amazing. And it's all about him. It's all about him. Hallelujah. Brendan, way to go, man. 
Way to go. I love hearing of people preaching and, and doing things and stretching. And you laid, a, you laid a foundation into the youth this week. We have amazing youth leaders. Amen. Amen. All right. Do you have your graphic ready there, Justin? We're gonna, we've been talking about process. Anybody here like process? Yeah, sometimes process is fun, and sometimes I did some rototilling yesterday. The process is painful. The process, I, the rototiller, I wanted one of these self-propelled ones, and they didn't have it. So I had this thing, and the ground is really hard, and I literally would go over a section, and then it would dig a hole, and then I had to push it, and it would jump about a foot, and then I had to drag it back. Have you ever tried to drag a rototiller back when it's in forward motion? And I'm, ugh! And Pastor Nelson's next door fooling around on his barbecue, feeling no pain, no care for me, no nothing, in his own world, enjoying himself, and I'm sure he can hear, ugh! process sometimes is painful. I don't want to tell you living God's life is all high. Oh, I'm on the rooftops. I'm on the top of the mountain. Sometimes you're in the valley. And this morning I want to take a few moments and I want to talk about process. Justin, can you put up the first one, the plan? Have you ever noticed this is my plan? Every parent recognizes this. This is my plan. I'm going to get married, I'm going to have children, and I'm going to raise them, and they're going to leave the house. Can you put up the next, next process, son? This is reality. I'm going to have children. They're going to wake me up in the middle of the night. Oh, but then they're going, to, they're going to grow a little bit more. Then they're going to start teething. I mean, this is, they're not even two years old. And then they're going to grow, and they're going to get better. Oh, and they're going to start walking, and it's going to be amazing. And then they're going to get into every single thing in the house. And then they're going to start running, and it's going to, oh, it's, process can be tough. Can you put up the next one, son? Here, watch this. Let that, let, let that sink in for a moment. Have you ever had process where you've been walking along doing okay and all of a sudden you turn your head and you run into a wall? Okay, son. I want them to listen to me and not watch the video. But sometimes the process is going great and then you turn around and you find out that you're chasing a ball and there's the wall and you hit into it. And what's funny is we laugh, but that was painful. I, I looked at a bunch when they walk into glass walls, and it's amazing how many glass windows break when people walk into them. So I want to talk this morning about process, and I'd like to look at a passage of Scripture. If you could turn in your Bibles to Genesis 45. A couple of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, I shared the first part of this message on how Christ forgave and, and I want to talk this morning about process, and I want to put it in the context of forgiveness, because walking in forgiveness is a huge element in the process of life that we live. And when I talk about process, I mean life. For some of us, the process might be a week-long process. Others of us, the process might be a month. Another process might be longer. Sometimes there's a process within the process. Sometimes there's a matter of, I'm just going to get this figured out, and you get it figured out so that you can get to the next stage. But life is a process. And I want us to see forgiveness in life. And a few weeks ago when I shared, I showed how Christ forgave. And for us to understand forgiveness, you have to understand how Christ modeled it and how Christ lived it. For you to understand how to live a victorious life, see how Christ modeled it. Because sometimes I think we want to live a victorious life, but we don't see how he did it, and then we get frustrated when it doesn't happen. So for you to grow in Christ, for us to grow in Christ, because we are all Christ followers, we need to see how he did it, how he modeled it, how he displayed it. So a few weeks ago, I took a few moments, and I shared on forgiveness, and we saw how Christ did it. One of the things is Christ gave forgiveness before it was even asked. 
Think about that. I live in, no, you want forgiveness, ask me for it, then I will grant it. Like I'm some kind of like uh, big, big person that I can grant you forgiveness if you ask. Jesus, before you were born, he was already crucified. Literally. He gave his life 2,000 years ago, and if you read the scriptures, it says before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. The physical act may have happened 2,000 years ago, but it also happened before the foundation of the world. Forgiveness, as Christ modeled it, was given before it was asked. Think about that. Husbands, wives, I mean, most of us are married in here, and if you're not, pay attention because this will put you in good stead when you do get married. Are you prepared to forgive your spouse before they even ask for it? Or are you going to hold them and play with them and say, you want forgiveness? No, come and come to see me first. Now, I understand, I understand there's a process of working through things and growing together. But there's an aspect of forgiveness that's given and granted before it's even asked. Forgiveness was given on the cross. It was fixed, fixed to the cross. You can't separate uh, the forgiveness from the work of the cross. So the victory, the, the apex, the climax of Christ and what he did at the cross, forgiveness is in there. And for you to understand forgiveness, it was paid for and done at the cross once and for all, it says in Hebrews. Think about that. I am so glad that he paid the price and he was so effective, he only had to do it once. It's not Jesus 2.0. It's not like, just wait, we've got another operating system we've got to boot you up with. No, Jesus paid the price once, and it was good forever. There is nothing I know of that is done once and is good forever that I've experienced except for Christ. So if you've got your Bibles turned to Genesis 45, I want to read eight verses, and this is the story of Joseph, and I'm going to read these eight verses, and then I've got a number of thoughts that I want to share with you, and if you're taking notes, you better get your hand ready or your your finger ready or however you're going to take notes, whether it's digital or whether it's handwritten. Um, But you want to take notes because I believe when you take notes, it stays with you longer. I have notes that I've written years ago. I still remember sermons that I listened to as a teenager because I took notes. Genesis 45, verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 8. And then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood behind him, stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. This was not just a little wah, wah, wah. The house heard the emotion of that moment. This was not just a little... uh, Sometimes I think we read it and we pass through it. The whole house heard him crying. This was an emotional moment. Next verse, thank you. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now don't, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land. And there are still five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. 
And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I submit to you. I yield myself to you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your truth. And as we spend some moments this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give me thoughts and words that you have put into my heart, that I would describe them and share them and articulate them with clarity and with boldness. Lord, and that I ask, God, that our hearts would be open and our ears would hear what you are saying today. In your precious name and everybody said, amen. Process. Process. Now this that we just read in Genesis 45 is the end of that particular process. It's the moment where Joseph is now seeing his brothers. Did he know that he was going to see his brothers? No. You say, but he had a dream. He had a dream, but I would suggest to you that dream died. There was no way that he could make this happen. And I want you to see the process because to me, this is one powerful message and picture of walking in forgiveness and, and one of the things I want you to understand today, forgiveness is a decision, but forgiveness is also a process. And I think sometimes in church life and in relationship, we think, well, no, God says forgive and it should happen. Yeah, there is an aspect of coming to forgiveness, but there's also a process of working through it. And as I share this morning, I don't want to belittle anyone here that has had any horrific or traumatic situations in their life. But I'm looking, a lot of what I'm trying to look at here is day-to-day -day living. Me not waving at you in the morning. You not bringing me coffee Sunday morning. I've gotten over it. You... Uh, <laughs> I don't drink coffee, by the way, so you don't have to bring me coffee. My wife brings me something every morning, every Sunday morning. But I, I'm trying to, I want to talk, sometimes it's the day-to-day -day living that can cause us tremendous grief. Sometimes it's not the huge issues. Sometimes it's the small little ones that stay with us that cause an infection that cause a huge issue. So this morning, I don't want to belittle any of you, and I do not want to make it light or contrite with respect to maybe some situations some of us have faced. But what I'm hoping to do is I'm hoping to give you perspective and to give you something to think about and to consider in the process of life or where you are in that process, something that's biblical, not something that Pastor David came up with, but I want you to see some process and some thoughts from principles from this Word of God with respect to forgiveness. To me, this is a huge element in life. And I want to take the life of Joseph, and there's other examples, there's many examples in the Scriptures of walking and working through forgiveness, but I want to take the life of Joseph, because many of us have heard it, and so I want to take a few moments here. He started 17 years old. He had a dream. 17 years old. And he was taking care of the sheep, and he has this dream. And he starts at 17 years old. Do you know how old he was when we just read that passage from Genesis 45? He was 30 years old. 13 years. Man, I can't even wait 13 minutes. I've seen people in restaurants that three minutes late, they're agitated. 13 years old, 13 years. And he didn't, in those 13 years, have it in front of him saying, one day I'm going to be right beside Pharaoh. It wasn't told him. 
One day you're going to be saving the nation and your Hebrew family and this and that. He didn't have that in front of them. He had, his dream had died and what was in front of him was no longer. And now what was in front of him literally was his integrity and who he was. 17 years old. I, I want you to, to I, I just want to walk through part of the process and I'll, I find it interesting. He starts in Genesis 37, starts with the introduction of Joseph. Genesis 37. We read Genesis 48, uh, 45. There's five chapters, and then there's a couple after Genesis 45 that Joseph is still connected. But in Genesis 37, he has a dream. He tells his brothers his dream. I, I want to read this to you. I want you to kind of see a little bit of this process as it's laid out, because I found this interesting. In, in Genesis 37, he tells them his dream. In, in verse 18 of Genesis 37, they plot his death. Brothers. I'm glad I only have eight brothers because if I had 11, I might... Uh, I'm just kidding you. But they actually plotted his death. I mean, talking about a dysfunctional family... Pastor Daniel, you better not be saying something. And Shauna, you better not tell your husband any of this stuff either because I don't want, I might get an email from one of them this week saying, what did you just say? They actually plotted his death. He was the kid with the colorful jacket, with the coat of many colors. We actually have a drama about it. And they see him coming, and as they see him coming, they're going, how can we deal with this kid? It says they, would, they couldn't talk to him nicely. Read the passage, Genesis 37. They couldn't even talk to him nicely. Have, don't raise your hands here, but have you ever met somebody that can't talk to you nicely? Have you got a relative? Okay, that might be getting a little too close. They were going to throw, they were going to plot him his death, and one of his brothers, Reuben, convinces them to throw him in a pit. Think about this. It says in another chapter that he pleaded with them. His brothers are recounting the incident, and they say that he pleaded with them not to throw them in. Have you ever had a child or a young person, and they just beg and beg and beg? I would suggest that that is probably the picture of Joseph. And his brothers, they're so intent, they want to kill him. They want to get rid of the pepsqueak. They want to get rid of this kid who's number 11, who tells them that they're going to bow down before him. And they, one of his brothers decides, you know what, let's throw him in a pit. I'm going to come back later and I'm going to take him and we're going to deal with this. So they throw him in a pit. Not only that, but it says after they threw him in the pit, you know what his brothers did? They had lunch. <laughs> like, hello, I'm in a pit. Just a minute, I got to wait for my ketchup. Don't bug me, I'm having a hamburger. They threw him in a pit, and then they sat down, and they had something to eat. Have you ever felt like, I've been abandoned, I've been discarded, and what do they do? They just go on, life is normal. They don't even care what just happened to me. Come on, can we get a little bit emotional in here? I mean, he pleaded with them, and he was telling them, come on, guys, come on. I, he, he might have even said, I won't tell you any more dreams. Okay, I'm sorry. Whatever he did, come on, guys, don't throw me in here. They threw him in a pit, and they have something to eat. How ignorant can his brothers get? And this is being put into his spirit. He's living through this. He's experiencing this. I thought these were my brothers. Then they sell him for the price of a slave. Like, is that all I'm worth to you? Don't I fetch more than 20 shekels of silver? 
I mean, you're selling me for the same price as the people that we boss and tell what to do and treat terrible and just treat them like dirt. That's the value you put in my life? And this is all happening to him in pretty rapid succession. He's sold. And then the guys that buy him have no use for him, and they sell him again. Process. Can you walk with me here? Process. Some of you might feel like nobody listens to me. Some of you might think there's been a conspiracy against you, and maybe there was. Some of you might say, I had these ideas and I went into the boardroom to tell the guys and they treated me like I was a pepsqueak that I had no skill, no idea, no knowledge of anything and they just, in fact, they made my life worse after I told them than before I said anything. Have you ever experienced that? I'm going to just add into this equation and be a real help here. So you say something and then from there on you think you're blacklisted. Like what happened? I thought I was part of this, but now every time I open my mouth, they just push me out the door. They just, like, ignore me. You might not have been thrown into a pit, but you might feel like you've been thrown into the depths of despair. Process. Listen to this. <laughs> That's Genesis 37 in one chapter. What a... <laughs> What a way to be introduced. He's introduced Genesis 37 verse 1 or 2. And at the end of the chapter, he's already sold. Then what amazes me is Genesis 38 doesn't even have one word about Joseph. Now, I know Moses was writing the books of the Bible here. But the Holy Spirit inspired him, and as he's writing, the Holy Spirit just leaves him for a bit. Now, I know the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us, but there might be times when you felt abandoned. And even in the book, even in this book, they go to the life of his brother Judah, and they talk about some stupid thing that he does for that whole chapter. And in the annals of history, Joseph is left. And just not only that, but he's not even recorded in that chapter. I found that interesting. I found that interesting that God, Holy Spirit, inspired Moses to say, you know what, let's just leave Joseph on the side for a bit and let's talk about his brother Judah. Have you ever felt like you're sinning and they're going, and nobody even sees you? I have. The process. And all of these things are going into him. I'm sorry, he wasn't no, like, oh, these things don't bother me. Like, come on. I, don't tell me those things. Come on. Oh, I'm just so strong, these things don't bother me. Then I get in the car and I start crying. But they don't bother me. These things bothered him. And I'll prove it to you. These things, they stayed with him. They didn't just, he didn't just say, well, I'm going to forgive them today. Now, we're taught to forgive, and I believe in forgiveness, but I think sometimes we think forgiveness is up here. I would suggest to you forgiveness starts here. And sometimes we try to make a mental decision, but our heart is not in the right place with respect to forgiveness. And so therefore, every time I say I'm going to forgive, something happens because in the heart there's still hurt. And there is hurt. But I've also found that when I have my heart in forgiveness, this starts to follow along. And I would suggest to you, Joseph had to go through a process He's sold. He's missed. He's not even mentioned in the next chapter. I'm going to ask God about that when I get to heaven. 
Mind you, by the time I get up there, I might have forgotten. Uh, then we see that he's sold to Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, and everything he does, God causes it to prosper. Wow. I'm doing well. Can you put up that picture of the process again, son, the, the up and down valleys? That's probably how he thought his dream was going to happen. But he's literally thrown into a pit. And sometimes it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then he's sold. And now he's in Potiphar's house and in the process of time because God makes everything prosper. That would indicate to me that there took a time for other people to see what happened. Because if, I'm gonna, if you're going to see me prosper, you're going to want to see it from point A to point B. So in the process of time, God, everything he did and touched, God caused it to prosper. Are you prepared to do that here? No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it up there. I'll be the man of integrity up there. But in the valley... Man, I'm going to fight and I'm going to claw and I'm going to kick and I'm going to scream. Joseph, in the valley, God caused everything to prosper. I'm hoping I'm touching your heart. I'm hoping I'm touching your head this morning. Because as Christ followers, I think sometimes we make excuses when we should actually take responsibility. He's in Potiphar's house. Everything he does prospers. And, and it's so much that he's promoted to overseer of everything Potiphar owns. And Potiphar was the captain of the bodyguards for um, Pharaoh. So he was connected to Pharaoh. He was not Pharaoh. He was connected to him. And he's blessed while serving someone else. Are you prepared in the process to serve someone else even though you've been hard done by, even though, as Dr. Smalley said last week, God has not done you dirty, but maybe some people have done you dirty. Maybe there's been some things that have happened to you that have set you back in the business or in a company or in an auditorium or in this classroom setting, and you've been pushed back. Are you prepared still in that position to do everything Everything to prosper and to serve someone else, or are you going to wait till you get your due? And we've been trained and taught, just wait till you get your revenge. And I would suggest to you, no, it's in the bottom of that pit that I will still serve, and I'm not going to give up. And in that bottom of that pit, while he was sold a second time to Potiphar, it was in that bottom of the pit that he served him and God caused everything to prosper in his hand and he was promoted from that position to overseer of everything. Man, that's pretty good. He saw, oversaw everything of Potiphar's and he was second only to Potiphar. That is amazing. And then Potiphar's wife gets some crazy, crazy, crazy ideas. Fifty shades of crazy And she chases him and chases him and chases him. And one day, he's walking through the house, and she sees an opportunity. And she says, come on, let's, let's have sex. I used that word on the pulpit. <laughs> come on, let's go. And he runs, and she grabs his jacket, and she frames him. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever been framed. This is pretty serious stuff. He's second in command, and he doesn't even get a chance to justify himself to Potiphar. He throws him in Pharaoh's jail. And in that day and in that culture, things like this weren't usually a let-you-live kind of offenses. Because there was a king's servant who served the king wrong, who paid for it for his life, with his life. So this is not just like, ah, I can oversee that, Joseph, that's okay. I'll no, no, this is serious stuff. This is like a penalty of death written all over it. You messed with my wife? I put you second in command? I trusted you with everything? 
And Joseph is going, what's me? What's, I don't care. Get away from here. Get out of here. Get out of my sight. I'm going to throw you in prison. That's another one of those valleys. I thought I was making progress. I thought I went through one thing and that's enough. And now all of a sudden I'm going through another thing. Sometimes we think, well, I just go through one thing. I endure one thing and it's all done. And there are times when we go through that. But there's sometimes life doesn't just say it's one and done. There's sometimes it's like another thing. And it's, it's what is your resolve in those moments? What is your resolve when somebody throws you under the bus? When somebody frames you, when somebody tricks you, when somebody steals from you, and you're high in command, and all of a sudden you're thrown into prison. And it says in Genesis 39 that the Lord was with Joseph, and he gave him favor with the jailkeeper. And while he was in jail, he prospered again. Again. What resolve? He prospers again while in jail. I'd be writing mama. Mom, come and help me. P.S. Your son who's in jail. Next week. Mom, come and help me. P.S. Your son in jail. And I'd just, sometimes we get so caught up in our injustice. Do you hear me? I've got to somehow validate myself. He was in prison, and God gives him favor. I would suggest to you, sometimes you need to start living and looking for the favor where you're at. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to wait till I'm the CEO. You know what? You'll never be able to handle the CEO if you don't know how to handle it where you're digging the ditches. No, 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 I'm going to wait till this happens. I'm going to wait till this happens. I'm going to wait till this happens. You start serving even in the pit. You start serving even in the jail. You start serving in the dungeon. And God will see that and he will give you favor because our God is a God of favor. And sometimes it's like, no, 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 no. I want justice. I have found people will get justice, but if they don't have forgiveness, it doesn't help. I've seen it. And if you're looking for justice thinking that's forgiveness, no, that isn't the same. And there is aspects of justice required, no doubt about it. But if your heart is thinking this is going to solve the issue, I would suggest to you you're wrong. Joseph doesn't seem to get caught up with that. And he's in jail and he prospers. Then he interprets two dreams, the baker and the candle, I mean the cup bearer, not the candlestick maker. The baker and the cup bearer. And in this passage, he asked the guys, remember me when you're back. Have you ever asked somebody, do me a favor and just remember me because I don't like this crazy place I'm in. It's full of stink. It's full of rats. It's full of this. It's full of dirt. It's full of grime. It's full of this. Everything else. Remember me when you get back into your place. And the guy says, sure, no problem. And he forgets. He's abandoned. He's thrown in the pit. He's lied to. He's framed. He's abandoned. I mean, it's like strike one, strike two, strike three, strike four. They didn't know how to play baseball. He's abandoned. And the guy forgets. And the guy, there's two guys, and one of the guys dies. He interprets his dream. Can you imagine interpreting somebody's dream and saying, by the way, don't know how to tell you this, but you're going to die? like in two or three days. And the other guy, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're going to live. And they sit back, they go back at the water cooler and they start exchanging stories. You know, I'm going to die in two days. He told me I'm going to live. So he asked the guys, remember me. And for two years, two years, the guy didn't remember him. And he only remembered him because Pharaoh got really angry and basically was telling people, uh, there's a serious situation here, and if somebody doesn't start interpreting my dream, there's going to be some price to pay. And it's like, oh, I'm threatened, but I remember Joseph. Two years. 
And he goes up and he tells him, oh yeah, your dream. By the way, when he gets called up, he presents himself well to the king. Shaves himself, cleans himself, puts on some good clothes. When you stand in front of somebody, make sure you dress appropriately. I gave somebody that wrong advice a couple days ago, but I've repented of it since. That was a funny little line, but only people who knew what happened know. But he interprets his dream, and I like this, and then he tells the Pharaoh, now if you're really smart, Pharaoh, you're going to get somebody in here that really knows what to do. And Pharaoh sits there and goes, you're the man. And he goes from the pit to the palace. Have you ever heard that expression? I've heard people preach sermons, going from the pit to the palace. But I would suggest to you it's like going from the pit to another pit to another pit to not being remembered to the palace. The process sometimes is like this. Sometimes it's two steps forward and literally three steps back. Sometimes it's like, here's a shovel. Start digging yourself your own pit. Here's like, ah, you want to get past me? No, no, no. In this business, you're not going to do everything you do. I'm going to take credit for. Are, are you hearing me this morning? Process. I don't, I don't understand it. He went through a dream pit being sold to the house, being right-hand man, being put in jail, being framed, interpreting dreams to the people, not being remembered. Nothing happens for two years. Then he's remembered. He interprets a dream, and he becomes second in command. That took 13 years. Took me about 12 minutes to read it. Can I ask you, when did Joseph forgive his brothers? Because I believe he did, because the way he responded in 45, Genesis 45, shows evidence that he forgave them. There's a passage in Genesis 41, verse 51, and this is near the end. This is after Joseph is now with Pharaoh. So this is on the tail end of the 13-year time scale. Pharaoh, one of the things Pharaoh does is give him a wife and they have two children. And one of his kids' name is Manasseh. Do you know what the word Manasseh means? It means God made me forget all the ugly things that happened to me. Every time he called his son Manasseh, he's remembering God caused me to forget. And I would suggest to you it's that God caused him to forget because I've, I've been trying to figure out forgetting and not remembering. And what I find is forgetting is something that just happens to you. It's not really a decision. I forget the keys. I forget this, and it just slips my mind, my mind. It's not something I'm going to choose to forget the keys today. No, I just forget them. But when I choose not to remember, it is a decision I make. And it seems like here, Joseph is saying, it wasn't even necessarily a decision I made. God caused me to forget. And the word he uses here, he says, I, God caused me to forget my toil. One of the passages, it said toil, which literally means exclusively troublesome. <laughs> That's talking about owning your stuff. It's been extremely troublesome. That's how I would describe what I've gone through. Man, I'm not sure I want to have coffee with a guy like that. Unfortunate. That happens after he's out of the prison jail and with Potiphar. I want to give you some thoughts here about in the picture of Joseph with respect to forgiveness. I've got three slides. First of all, forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. I believe you have to decide, but I also know that it is a work in progress. 
I've heard people say, I thought I forgave them. I don't doubt that they didn't forgive them, but sometimes something happens and that's almost like that thing tries to rear up its ugly head. Well, don't go there and say, you know what? No, I did this. But what it is is sometimes it's working on the inside of you. Forgiveness is a decision, but also a process. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision. But I would, exp- I would say to you that it is also full of feeling. It's full of emotion. Joseph in here says, guys, you sold me. <laughs> this is 13 years later. I thought he dealt with it. And he would have just said, guys, yeah, hey, guys, look where I showed up. No, he says, guys, you sold me here. I've dealt with it, but I'm just going to tell you, like, you did me wrong. You sold me. Well, I thought forgiveness meant everything was okay. Oh, he dealt with it. God caused him to forget all the toil and the troublesome things, but he still, no, no, you guys sold me. You think this is what you did, but I'm here to tell you this is what God did. Do you see the difference? And, and I think sometimes we almost make ourselves guilty because we want to forgive, but then when it doesn't seem to come easy or happen the way we think, I'm a sinner. And I would suggest to you sometimes that's the heart and sometimes that's the head fighting against each other. It is a process. God made him forget. Another thing, another slide. Forgiveness is not forgetting It's choosing not to remember. God says, it's amazing, but so many times with respect to sin and forgiveness, God says, I choose not to remember. God does not say, I choose to forget. And the sea that he throws our sin in is not called the sea of forgetfulness. It's just called the depths of the sea in Micah. God chooses not to remember. And to me, that is more powerful than forgetting because forgetting sometimes is just a sign of age. And God's old. He doesn't forget. He chooses not to remember. That's powerful. In, in my relationships with you, if I can be honest with you, I choose not to remember because I'll be honest with you, there may be times when I don't forget. But I am making a choice here. I'm making a choice here, and I'm telling it up here. You will choose not to remember. One of the words for forgive is to cover. Are you prepared to cover my inabilities, my indiscretions, my words or poor humor at times, or this or that, or saying something that I thought was funny but actually hurt you? Are you prepared to cover that up in order to save this? I'm giving this dramatic pause to let it sink in. Because forgiveness is I choose not to remember. Problem is sometimes I do remember. And I think we all choose to not remember, but sometimes we do remember. When that happens, no, my choice is I'm not going to remember. I'm going to live it here. I'm going to live it here. Husbands and wife, when I made my vow to my wife over 30 years ago that I will, I will, I will, that wasn't like I'm going to try. No, I will. I do. And it doesn't mean that there's been moments when she hasn't frustrated me or I haven't frustrated her, although I don't remember them. But there is a decision you make in a marital relationship where it involves the heart. My covenant, my commitment is here. It is not just here. I am ruled by my heart, by my spirit. Forgetting sometimes is involuntary. (laughs) 
Man, I'm learning that. I'm getting older. I'm learning. Sometimes forgetting is just involuntary. I had no decision to forget. I just forgot. But there's been other times when I've actually chosen not to remember. The longer you hold on to it, the harder it becomes to let go. The longer you hold on to it, the longer, harder it it is to let go. Unforgiveness drags the past into the present. Quit dragging the past into the present. And you say, well, I can't. If you can't do then talk to somebody that can. Talk to a pastor. Talk to Pastor Nelson or Pastor Winona. Don't talk to me because I'm not qualified, but they are very good at working through and walking with people. And there are some things, there are some traumatic things. I'm not trying to make light of that. But there's also some, some just rubbing shoulders with people. It says iron sharpens iron, but sometimes there's sparks that fly. <laughs> Another thing I want you to see about forgiveness is forgiveness is proactive. Decide ahead of time. That's why I, I stand here. I'm here to tell you that I have made a decision that I'm choosing not to remember. Does that mean that it's going to be easy? No, there might be times when hurt really hurts. There might be times when I actually let you down. There might be times when you let me down. Am I preparing to choose to forget, to cover that up? It's proactive. I think sometimes we think forgiveness is a game or forgiveness is a transaction. And I would suggest to you it's neither. Because a transaction almost means I have to wait till somebody asks me to forgive in order for me to forgive. I would suggest to you, no, you get in the posture to forgive already from the start. Because if I wait for somebody, what if they never ask me to forgive them? Am I going to hold on to that person? I've seen people that have done that. And it's sad. Do not partner with the hurt or that incident. Forgiveness is dependent on you, not the other person. Sometimes I think forgiveness, we think forgiveness and saying sorry are the same. Or, and I would suggest to you that, that no, I, I start with forgiveness even if I don't hear the word sorry. Because if I wait for sorry, I might be a sorry individual. We have all experienced this. And this morning, I want to give you hope. I want to give you courage. But I'm hoping also that I give you a picture of forgiveness that looks different. That looks, I see it scripturally. Jesus forgave before I even asked him. When I was his enemy... He already said, no, there's a way, and I pay the price, and I forgive David. And he models walking in forgiveness. So this morning, I want to I share with you, we've made a small little printout. Matthew, do you know where that printout is? If you, could, if you and Mike could pass out. I, this is something I, I'm hoping, uh, Pastor Winona and I, just wrote up a little thing, and this is just for your own benefit. Because if you didn't take notes, I thought it was worthy enough to take notes, so I wrote them for you. Um, but I, I, living, living together, living side by side, gives a lot of time and a lot of space for offense and hurt. But I'm called to live in a family. I can't live alone. So we've made a little thing, a little printout, which covers a lot of the points that we had this morning. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go through them all, but I want you to take that with you. It's called Process, Working Through Forgiveness. And there's some notes on the back, and I reference the life of Joseph. And if you really wanted to, you read the life of Joseph, the first eight verses, and then you see some of these points here, and you'll actually see some truths that are consistent with that passage. 
Thank you, ushers. I want to close. And in closing, I'd like, I'd like to take a moment for all of us. And I want to give everybody here an opportunity to exercise what I've just shared. So I'm going to tell you what I'd like to do, and I'd like everybody to be involved. I want everybody to participate. And some of you may get something, and some of you may not. But first of all, I'm going to ask if everybody could stand. We're not going to have an altar call. You're not going to have to come up in front of it. This is, this is something I'd like to just speak to you and have everyone here standing. And then as we proceed, this is going to be personal conversations you have with God, personal conversation with Holy Spirit. So what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to pray with you, but before I pray with you, I want to ask Holy Spirit to speak to each one of you. And if you'd be honest with him, if there's unforgiveness, you can deal with it right now. And it doesn't mean you have to run to somebody. It means that you run to him. So what this morning, it's going to be just you and God. I'm not asking you to run to me or to run to somebody else right now. If, you, if, if Holy Spirit is bringing something to your heart and speaking to you, it's for you to deal with him. So I'm going to take a moment. As the music plays, I want all of you just to ask Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I need to exercise and give forgiveness for? Just ask him right now, is there anything, Holy Spirit, that I need to walk in forgiveness Just let him speak to you. I believe he's speaking to everyone here right now. Speak, Holy Spirit. So if he's brought something to your heart and to your mind... Just say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing that. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't beat you up. What he does is he works at restoring relationships. So everything he's doing is to cause the restoration of a, story, a relationship. So acknowledge, thank him. And now I want to pray with you. And as I pray, I'd love for you to join with me in this prayer even if God hasn't said anything, even if you haven't heard anything from the Holy Spirit, that's fine. You can still pray with me because there might be some that have. So if you join with me and just follow these words, Father, thank you for speaking to me. And I forgive right now. I release this issue to you. I decide to cover it. I will not hold on to it any longer. I will not harbor hurt. I will not let resentment stay with me. I will not stay in anger. And I will not have destructive thoughts towards anyone else. I thank you, Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father, that it is finished, it is sealed, it is paid for. I am redeemed. This does not mark me. This does not make me. But this actually releases me to the fullness that you have for me. And I choose with my heart to walk in forgiveness and help me when my heart is challenged. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah.
Now, if anybody here would like to talk or have some ministry time, you're welcome to come forward. The service is dismissed, but there will be a few of us forward. If any of you would like to have some prayer, some ministry, whether it's looking for healing or some direction, God bless you. Have an amazing week.